be it their size, their shape, their gender, their color, their sexuality, their sexual orientation, not to make the person that you're speaking to the problem, yep. but rather the system in which they're trying to function. You've got people to think about what it's like to treat your body as a project that needs to be improved. So refusing to talk about racism and taking it personally does more damage than good. Come on. Joining me on the line for Let's Talk About Sex is our resident pleasure expert. I like to say that you give some really good advice to Tanya. It's Tanya Kearns, um, and we are on Let's Talk About Sex right here on Mornings on FBI. Morning, Tanya. Morning, Maya. Good to be here. <laughs> it's pretty good to be here. It's good to be seeing you. I feel like it's been a while. It has. Yes, I took a little bit of time out and took a, a sojourn to the countryside to do a bit of thinking. But I'm back on deck with a lot to say today. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been teasing uh, all morning that we are going to be talking about the politics of pleasure. And just before we get into it, I just wanted to say on behalf of the Let's Talk About Sex team, um, shout out to Jenna Butcher, the amazing producer, that we are unpacking this topic today because we are in a a moment right now where we have a very big uh, chance and opportunity to move forward and make meaningful change Um, we obviously haven't been facing the issues of systemic racism, oppression um, and police brutality for a short time. It's not the first time we're hearing any of these things, but being how that's being addressed um, both overseas and locally right now, we know that all these things are happening and they disproportionately affect First Nations people and people of colour in this country. So, I guess you could say the reason why we're doing that today or we're talking about the politics of pleasure today is because Let's Talk About Sex has always been a show um, about sex, love and pleasure, but more than that, it's always been about activism. In my short stint with you, Tanya, I've always felt that that was at the core of the purpose of the show and all of the advice that we've been sharing with people and questions. And while we aren't going to be able to give you the complete picture of the moment we're living in right now, we are. We do think it's important to use this platform in whatever way we can, and so we are unpacking the politics of pleasure, which is a topic that you, Tanya, have given talks um, about previously. So you're going to today take us through how this relates to us, our sexuality, our libido, body autonomy, bodies, systems of oppression, and how that can affect people. Absolutely, and what a big topic it is, huh? Just, just the introductions. I know, yes. Yeah. It's huge, but I think for good reason. It's definitely a necessary thing to be talking about today. Yeah, and it's so fantastic that FBI gives us a platform to talk about these things. I mean, pleasure activism is not just about how to have more fun, but it's about how to be more inclusive and and how to get everybody um, living a much more healthy and fulfilled life. Yeah, so if you're tuning in and you've never really considered or heard of this idea of the politics of pleasure. Um, Tanya, can you give us a little bit of a overview of what this means and what we're going to be attempting to unpack today? Sure. Um, This is a talk that started off as something I gave to the Society of Australian Sexologists Symposium last November. 
I'd been studying oppression and trauma and how it impacts the body and how people can heal via embodiment practices, spiritual practice, and surprisingly performance, right? And, and when I was looking through this, I realized that systemic oppression affects so many people in very many different ways. And it always comes back to making some people's bodies not okay in some way, Yeah. right? So be it their size, their shape, their gender, their color, their sexuality, their sexual orientation. And this is the stuff that walks into the room for us therapists, right? It's really important not to make the person that you're speaking to the problem, yep. but rather the system in which they're trying to function. Because often people are taking responsibility for the way they're feeling and they're like, well, I'm failing. What's wrong with me? Why am I so tired? Why don't I feel like sex? Why am I depressed? Why am I sad? Um, and it's actually, you know, trying to function in a system that's grossly unfair to many people. Yeah. So I think today, you know, in light of all that's happening in the US and around the world right now, this is a super important topic for us to be discussing. So that's a good point that it's the system that I guess is institutionalised and not necessarily functioning in the right way or the best way to a particular group of people. Um, when we first broached this idea, you mentioned this um, concept of the hierarchy versus the patriarchy. What the heck yeah. is a hierarchy? <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love the hierarchy because it's it's more an intersectional extension of the idea of patriarchy and it takes it beyond gender. What it suggests is that there's interconnected, interacting and self-extending systems of domination and submission, right? So what, is, what does that really mean? It means that a single individual might be oppressed in some relationships mm. and privileged in others. For example, you know, in terms of, I might experience some oppression in terms of being female or, or of not having a lot of money or things like that. But I might experience privilege in terms of my skin colour or being able-bodied or being heterosexual. Yeah. See, you know, there are lots of different things. You know, so my mum's Sri Lankan, so I've always had um, sort of issues of people of colour percolating around me, but my dad's Dutch, so I pass very well for white. So I don't get as many of the, the issues that come up as people who have darker coloured skin than me, just for example, yeah. right? So sometimes we might be the oppressed and other times we may be the oppressors not on purpose, but just because of the world around us and how oppression is kind of, it's just learned in our day-to-day -day actions. Yeah, right? unfortunately. Yeah, the hierarchy encompasses sexism, racism, ableism, homophobia, transphobia, classism, xenophobia, economic injustices, colonisation, ethnocentrism, anthropocentrism, speciesism, and other forms of dominating hierarchies, which usually involve the subordination of one person or a group to another and it can be internalized and it most certainly is institutionalized and yeah i really like this as a lens because it really shows us that it's pretty easy for us to oppress someone if we're not aware of social constructs and norms and we don't understand systemic violence yeah i think that's a really good point to kind of hammer home that um i guess if you are a privileged person you might not necessarily think first Firstly, that there is even such an idea of like systemic violence following you to the bedroom. Yeah. Definitely a point. We're trying to hammer home on let's talk about sex today. Um, we're going to quickly unpack a few uh, 
definitions of some of the words you just mentioned. Um, do you want to go one for one? How do you want to do this? Yeah, um, there's, a, there's a few here that I think are really important. So xenophobia is the dislike or prejudice against people from other countries. So it's, it's a group mentality. And when you put human beings into groups, we tend to be one group and against another. So it's important for us to understand and notice this. I think we also need to understand economic injustice. There are unequal distributions of income and opportunity between different groups in society. And if you say that Australia is a fair go country where everyone has an equal opportunity to make a buck and get ahead, I think you would be incorrect in that. I'm eye there- rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. that was a um, it's, you know, but so many people are like, well, if you just don't like this job, go and get another one. Or yeah. If you don't like move somewhere else but it's not that simple and it's not that easy and I think if you don't have to think about things like this then you definitely have privilege in that area yeah really important to just know that other people do not have the same opportunities or head starts that you have and that also Um, plays into like I guess the poverty cycle yeah absolutely I mean it's you know I've spent times with my business and in my life where I haven't had money and it's difficult because just doing the normal things to try and, and, and survive every day mean that other things become completely and utterly unattainable to yeah. you. Right? Where you think, oh, my gosh, you know, if I had this, then I could do that. But you simply can't get ahead. You just can't cop a break. And it feels like failing. And it's not. It's just that the way that the world is structured generally for people in couples, in relationships, with high incomes, with this, with that. So it people in those situations can sail through really easily and other folk are just finding it hard to get through the day-to-day stuff. Yeah. I think colonisation is another important term to explain to people because it's being bandied about a lot and a lot of folk don't really know what it means. And that is the action or the process of settling amongst and establishing control over Indigenous people of an area. And what happens then is their land, uh, their cultural places of significance and their cultural practices are appropriated yeah. right? and sometimes um, destroyed or disbanded. So it's almost like displacing people where they now have nowhere they belong and they've lost all of the things that make their culture important. Yeah, it's a pretty damaging uh, system post-colonialism just trying to unpack everything that that entails is a big one as well um the effects of colonialism and if you look at it in this country it's you know extremely high rates of taking children away from families um of incarceration of health problems things like that that we sort of think well gee you know what what a lot of people are like, what's wrong with that group of people over there that they have so many problems? But it's because we're taking away the fabrics of their society that would support them and hold yeah. them together so they are experiencing trauma and oppression. And if we don't understand the impacts of this on people, we don't understand why they're behaving in certain ways. People are like, you know, why do people misbehave when they're being arrested or when they're being asked a question? But there is this, like, fear that's... Um, come into their society and their culture because there's another group of people taking things away from them. Yeah, and and I was just going to say the impacts of like intergenerational trauma is very much a real thing and is kind of just glossed over really stupidly. This is stuff that I see every single day in the therapy room and that people don't realise that they're carrying as well. 
so you think about that and you think, wow, you know, why don't, why don't I feel very sexy right now? Or why am I feeling so tired and exhausted every day? And you don't realize that you're dealing with far more things every day. We call them microaggressions, yep. right? Small things that you have to put up with every day that another group of people don't have to put up with because their, their grouping or their society is, is stated as the norm. Right. So you don't get asked questions like, why is your hair like that? Or where do you come from? Or can I touch your hair? Or all these sorts of things, little things, or, or be expected to do things that your body can't do or your culture won't allow. They are exhausting when you add them up. Mm. And there mm. was one last one, anthropocentrism. Yes. Um, this is the belief that human beings are the most important entity in the universe, right? So that... Uh, interprets or regards the world the whole world in terms of human values and experiences and I think you know there are so we're seeing it in therapy rooms huge amounts of distress at climate change people are feeling not secure unsafe they're worrying about the future of the planet the future of their lives their children's lives um, and what we're doing uh, and I think especially now in COVID times when you can see the impacts on the planet where things are regenerating and changing as we all stay inside, the distress that people are experiencing and at the powerlessness of being able to change or help the planet yeah. is palpable, right? And again, that's going to affect how you get your sexy on, how you relate to people, how motivated for work you are. But it's all just bubbling away in the background and it's really hard to notice and pay attention to. Yeah. If you've just tuned in to Mornings on FBI 94.5, uh, Tanya Coons is joining me on Let's Talk About Sex, where we are unpacking uh, systems of oppression, um, how it affects people, how it can follow you into the bedroom and affect your sexuality, your libido, body autonomy. Um, and we're going to slowly start to unpack how institutionalized racism comes into play. But before we get to that, we're going to break to a track by Stephen right here. It's called On My Mind. Stephen, right there with On My Mind. On mornings, we are on Let's Talk About Sex. I want to give a very quick shout out to Gary from Pendle Hill for texting in on 0409 945 945. We're taking your questions down. We're going to answer some of the lengthier ones uh, in two weeks, Gary, uh, as it falls into what we'll be talking about then. But there's a very quick question Tanya can answer for you which is, when is it okay to look at a stranger and adore them sexually? Um, it's all, I mean, I think it's always okay to understand that we're going to have sexual desire. I mean, we will find people that we find attractive or adorable uh, all the time. So it is okay. It's how you do that. If you're going to give them a leery stare or if you're going to objectify them or you're going to make some inappropriate comments or comments that make them feel uncomfortable, that's not so good. But if you just notice them and think, wow, that's a super cute human being and I find them really sexy, there isn't anything wrong with that because we're all sexual beings and we're all going to be feeling like that regardless of the state of relationship we're in and how we're going. Well said, that. Tanya. Um, we are unpacking the politics of pleasure. Um, part of the reason why we decided to picked this topic and started unpacking it this week was because Tanya you initially gave um, this topic as like a uh, as a as a speech as a talk and you mentioned that when you 
gave this speech, um, it shook a lot of people up. Why do you think they reacted in that way? Um, I think, thank you for that question. I think it made people think much more broadly about the people in front of them. So I was giving it to people who are helpers, you know, in therapy rooms, doctors' practices, training rooms, at work, even people who you're in relationship with, because it explained how insidious oppression is and how it isn't taught, but it's learnt almost by osmosis about what's happening all around us. And if you think about it, our cultural norms are reinforced by family and friends and school and work colleagues. You know, it's not something you go to school to learn to not like a certain kind of person. Yeah. You see it happening all around you. So by defining and identifying prejudices, you can make people aware of them. And it's really got people to think about what it's like to treat your body as a project that needs to be improved, you know, something that isn't natural or isn't good. Like I think all bodies are natural. How can one body not be natural and another one be be more natural? You know, yeah. it's, it's quite crazy. It's also good to understand that there's a multi-billion dollar industry out there that's just waiting to help people out with all of these body oppressions. Make your skin lighter, make you grow taller, make parts of your body bigger, wider, fatter, thinner, all sorts of things, how you dress, how you look. Um, so I think simply acknowledging that clients are often experiencing pressures and things that are out of their control and simply acknowledging that can be really powerful in terms of helping them manage oppression and trauma. Yeah. No, that's a, I'm glad you said that, that oppression is just inherently kind of taught. You just get given it kind of thing. Yeah. You see it happening all around you. Look at who makes way for you on the street next time. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Some people subjugate themselves automatically. You look at who gives way for you and who never gives way little things like that and these are little tiny weeny changes that you can make too by giving way to people you normally wouldn't yeah all sorts of tiny weeny things are there that we can do and we'll get to that we're going to do a lot on that next time we speak so what are some of the forms of oppression that have an impact on pleasure yeah good question um feeling unsafe all of the time you know that's not sexy at all it's quite traumatic and if you think back even in dating you know thinking about the safety of anyone other than men isn't regarded or it's quite misunderstood, right? People are often told, oh, well, I don't want to meet you for a first time at your house or, or, you know, in the bush somewhere where there's nobody around. I'd like to meet in public or I'd like to do this. I want to ensure safety. So the people with the privilege of not having to worry about their safety can then get angry or tell the person wanting safety, you're overreacting or you're being silly or don't you trust me? What's wrong with you? And not understand that this person's lived experiences that they need to be constantly looking around and checking that they're going to be safe at all times, right? And who feels sexy if you've got a fear of being attacked or arrested, right? It's, it's just, it's not going to help you. And people feel tired or burnt out all the time because the system is requiring that they work harder than other people with less support. So this is an idea. I don't know if you've heard about spoon theory, Maya. Do you know what spoon Ooh, theory no. is? Teach me. Spoon theory was a, a little model sort of uh, device to uh, describe or to help people understand uh, dis- disability. So imagine, um, so imagine I'm on crutches today because I fell over and broke my ankle, okay? And you and I say, let's go out for lunch. We, we talk in the morning and we wake up, we both wake up this morning, we've got 10 spoons to spend on our day, right? So we decide we're going to go meet for lunch. Excellent. So you jump in the shower, one spoon, you get dressed, one spoon, you catch a bus to the lunch venue, one spoon. 
Now I'm on crutches, so I get in the shower. It's going to take me three spins to kind of maneuver around and not fall over. Um, and then it's going to take me a couple of spins to get on the bus. And then I might get to lunch, but it's up a flight of stairs. So it's going to take me quite a while to get up the stairs. I might spend four spins, right? So when you say, hey, I've only spent three spins, let's go out to the beach this afternoon, I might have spent all of my 10 spins of energy just getting to lunch, right? And this, this, this happens with racism, it happens with sexism, it happens with um, homophobia, homophobia, all sorts of things. People are spending a lot more energy just dealing with those little microaggressions every day yeah, right. uh, than the folks more normal. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's unpack a bit more of the effects that these kind of microaggressions can have on a person. So people start to think that there's something wrong with themselves or their body. You know, why am I failing at work? Uh, when you might not be being given the same advantages as work as other groups of people. Why am I not feeling sexy? Why do I feel I don't deserve love? You know, because I'm not perfectly formed like the magazines tell me I should be. Uh, why don't I have lighter skin? Why aren't I thinner? Why aren't I straight? You know, all of these things that you can't help who you are. So it will encourage depression, anxiety and stress and an inability to flourish, right? And that can drill right down to lack of self-esteem and self-confidence. It's all real stuff. Huge, isn't it? Huge when you think about it. Yeah. Small, tiny things every day add up to really big problems that people can't see where they're coming from. Mm. Um, so we've gone through the effects on a single person, a single individual. What would this look like in an everyday uh, context or everyday situation? Yeah. So a little bit more of that, I guess. So feeling like you're failing at work where it might be a situation that anybody who's treated that way would fail. Um, not getting promotions at work and not understanding that. I have so many clients who come from other countries or who have strong accents that get treated as if they have no intelligence. They get looked over for meetings, uh, for promotions. Uh, people can feel tired and jittery because they're bullied at work or they're spoken to badly. Um, being passed up for dates and social events, having governments and organisations that are not representative of you and your folk making decisions for you. It's absolutely exhausting. And then instead of sort of seeing positive discrimination as a solution to this systemic problem, people start going, well, you know, isn't that political correctness gone mad? So <laughs> when we get some discourse about this and say come on let's be more inclusive and do this people start you know the people who are the ones that are benefiting from all of these systems get their noses put out of joint and say well I don't want to have to consider all of these things I think that's just you know being a little bit too PC right so we have to really be aware of these things yeah another eye roll at that <laughs> for the listeners here oh yeah <laughs> We're going to take another quick song break, but we are still continuing this discussion on the politics of pleasure on Let's Talk About Sex. So don't go anywhere. This next track by Be Wise has a language warning, so consider yourself warned. Wise there with Koji Radical on Think Twice, standalone single from his forthcoming second studio album. On Mornings with me, Maya Billick, I'm joined by Tanya Kearns and we are going over the politics of pleasure. We've unpacked how uh, these microaggressions 
um, from people of disabilities, people of colour might experience on a daily basis and how that impacts your physical body and the way you feel about your body in the bedroom. Let's really briefly, because we are unpacking this topic into two parts, this won't be the last time we'll be talking about it, so you better keep listening. Um, let's unpack uh, briefly how racism impacts people and bodies. Okay, um, so we're going to do it quickly because we're going to come into a lot more detail next time. But being treated differently in work and social situations, we're just talking not being invited to meetings, not getting promotions. Um, I've had so many uh, clients that are people of colour who've been asked by security if they should be at this event when they are the speak keynote speaker at a conference, you know, all, oh. all sorts of so so not okay being regarded suspiciously being bullied being harassed being told to go back to where you came from abuse on public transport lack of visibility in your own culture there's so many and total exhaustion from having to and i put up air quotes explain things to folk who don't understand and then again constant comments about your body you know so it, that stuff is exhausting absolutely exhausting and I think the stuff that we need to be talking about is uh, white fragility. Right? Yes. Right. All right. Yeah, just... What is white fragility? Okay. So white fragility is not understanding that racism is systemic and that it's not personal, right? Systemic means that it's encompassed in all aspects of our lives, school, work, social, corporations, government. So saying things like, I'm not a racist, is completely and utterly not helpful. It's actually not about you. It's about you learning that racism is everywhere and what we want you to be is anti-racist, not simply not a racist. So refusing to talk about racism and taking it personally does more damage than good. Right. So I know we're going to, we're running out of time rapidly here. So there are some things folks can read between now and when we chat in a couple of weeks. Fantastic book called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. You can get it on audio books or you can get it um, as a paperback. Um, How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibrahim X. Kendi. Um, anything by Audre Lorde, uh, Sister Outsider, S and speeches she talks about systemic oppression in such a beautiful way you can donate to the national aboriginal and torres strait islanders women's alliance uh, they've been established to empower aboriginal and torres strait islander women have strong and effective voices in domestic and international policy and advocacy very important we'll be putting up some links on the page here yes for things that you can everything will be on the programs page so don't don't stress. Funnily enough, those are all books that I've downloaded this last weekend. So we'll be yeah. reading together. Yes, I've also put some links up to some talks in The Guardian, various other articles as well. Perfect. And now, Tanya, you got a special talk you're giving soon. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've been invited to give this talk again, The Politics of Pleasure. And what I'm doing is throwing it open on a Zoom meeting. So you can go to the Surrey Hills Therapy Facebook page. We'll pop the link up here at FBI as well. That's going to be on Friday from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. So we're going to have a talk for 50 minutes uh, and then there'll be uh, a chance for discussion and question and answer. So this is a request of a gorgeous colleague of mine who heard me speak in November she and I have both been so terribly distressed by what's happening uh, and decided that it would be nice to create a safe place inherently for white folk who actually don't know what to do and how to support people of colour and what's going on right now. So we want to talk about white fragility. We want to talk about systemic oppression. We want 
for people to understand it. And then, you know, we want to give people practical tips on how they can do little things that are going to help dismantle, dismantle these systems. Yeah. Tanya, it's been a pleasure. If you missed uh, today's show, you can listen back uh, at fbiradio.com slash programs for Let's Talk About Sex, or you can download the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. We unpacked um, the or started to unpack the politics of pleasure in a fortnight. We're going to be going through how, with the sudden wake of the Black Lives Matter movement recently, um, we're going to be going through racism, healing through the body and what you can do about it, and also right fragility. So be sure to tune in. Tanya Coons, thank you so much, always, for such an insightful uh, half an hour of power. (laughs) Always my pleasure, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak about these things.